It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Listen, Casey, I'm a great man. Huh? What have you done now, Ethelbert? I'm the only man on the block who never saw a flying saucer. Well, that won't put you on history's pages. You mean I won't be famous? No, Ethelbert. You gotta do something. You gotta be outstanding to be famous. Sure, like Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Lady Killer. Mid-afternoon, the cocktail lounge of a luxurious resort hotel in Colorado. A man enters, surveys the place with casual approval, and saunters toward the bar. He's about 35, well-dressed and rather good-looking. But there's nothing distinctive about him. As he waits for one of the bartenders to serve him, he hums an old tune. Wouldn't it be, sir? Uh, martini, please. Extra dry. Yes, sir. Say, haven't I served you before, sir? Well, no, I just checked into the hotel an hour ago. This is my first visit to the bar. Uh, I, I don't mean here. Someplace else. Maybe L.A. I worked there last year. No, I've never been to Los Angeles. Denver? Frisco, then? No, I'm sure we've never met before. I've spent the last ten years in Europe. Well, I've never been across the water. Yet. I guess you just remind me of somebody. Yes, I imagine that's it. Yeah, see how this martini strikes you. Uh-huh. Hmm. Oh, it's exactly right. That's how I try to make everything. Call me when you want another. Uh, my name's Frank. Uh, Frank. Oh, yeah? I shan't want another for a while, so I'll pay you now. Yeah? Uh, keep the change. Hey, thanks. Quite all right. Oh, uh, by the way, that uh, fine-looking woman at the corner table over there, do you know her? The brunette with the big diamond rings? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know her. Her face is very familiar. I was just wondering... If... <laughs> You've probably seen her picture in the papers. There was a big story about her a couple of weeks ago when she got a Reno divorce from her husband, plus a million-dollar settlement. Oh. Uh, she's Madeline Chalmers. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I used to wait on her back in Toledo, where she comes from. I worked there two years ago. She and another wealthy lady named Utley used to say I was the only bartender they'd ever met who could make a planter's punch exactly right. This uh, Mrs. Utley, she's a close friend of Mrs. Chalmers? Uh, Miss Utley. She was one of them bachelor girls then. Or since she's married a banker named Fisher. Yeah, she and Mrs. Chalmers were pals. Well, I'm acquainted with a banker named Fisher. I believe he married Nutley. Let's see now, his first name uh, is... This one's uh... first name is Douglas. He the one you know? Well, his wife's first name is... Uh... Irene. Irene Nutley. Uh-huh, they're the people. I'm told they took a trip to Europe last year where you were. I guess you met him over there. Yes, London or 
Paris, I think. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fisher aren't here by any chance. Oh, no, no. Mrs. Chalmers tells me they're up in Maine this summer. Bar Harbor. Well, since Mrs. Chalmers is alone, I shouldn't be intruding if I introduced myself, I suppose, and inquired about my friends, the, uh, Fishers. No, I don't think so. I'll see you later, Frank. Ah, uh, thanks again, Mr. Uh, uh, thank you. How do you do, Mrs. Chalmers? I beg your pardon? I can see you've forgotten me. Irene Utley introduced us several years ago in uh, Toledo, I think it was, uh, before she married Doug Fisher. Oh, you're a friend of Irene's and Doug's? Well, I spent a day with them only a week ago in Bar Harbor. How are they? Irene hasn't written to me in ages. Well, they were fine, enjoying themselves. Uh, may I sit down and order us... Uh, I seem to remember you had a preference for planter's punch. Uh, do sit down. Thank you very much. I'm terribly embarrassed. You remember even my favorite drink, and I can't Well, recall. unlike you, I have a face that people soon forget. My name is Grammerton, Cecil Grammerton. Cecil Grammerton. You uh, plan to stay here for some time, Mrs. Charles? At least several weeks. Well, I'm going to remain about the same period, and uh, if you'll permit our acquaintance to ripen, I'll try hard not to be forgotten again. evening. More so than usual. You like this gown? No, no, it isn't the gown or the perfection of your hair or those magnificent diamonds you're wearing. That's simply you. <laughs> Cecil, you always say the right thing. I'm afraid you're what my dad used to call a lady killer. Lady killer? Or a wolf. Oh, well, now do I look like a wolf or a lady killer? No, which makes you doubly dangerous. A week ago, when you came to my table in that cocktail lounge... I thought, what a mild, negative, innocuous man you were. And now? Now I'm in my suite alone with you. I sent my maid away tonight, as you requested. Which proves? I like you. Sit down. Mm -hmm. Hand me a cigarette, will you? Yes, of course. Here you are. Thanks. Light? Mm-hmm. You, uh... Only like me, Madeline? Last night I told you that I loved you. And I almost believed you. Didn't believe me? A rich divorcee should be careful, especially when she knows a man no better than I know you. You'll get better acquainted with me tonight. You sure we're really alone here? Of course, dear. Now, what do you want to know about me, hmm? I'll hold you close as I tell you. Do you suspect I'm a fortune hunter who wants to marry you for your money? That's a possibility. But I'm comfortable in your arms. It's an impossibility. I wouldn't marry you for any amount of money. You wouldn't marry me? Or anyone like you. Cecil, take go of my throat. Take your hands away. I'll tell you what I am, Madeline. Cecil! I'm really a lady killer. 
Really a lady killer? <sighs> Such nice diamonds you had, Mrs. Chalmers. You won't need them anymore. <laughs> napkins under the bar. I won't. Speaking of paper reminds me, Casey, did you see the newspapers this morning? Certainly not. I only work on a paper. I don't read them. There's a deep suspicion, Ethelbert, that um, no press photographer knows how to read. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that, Miss Williams. It's also suspected, Annie, that few reporters know how to write. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> yeah well, anyway, your morning express had an article saying that fellow who's believed to have strangled Mrs. Madeline Chalmers in Colorado last month, you know, is thought to be hiding in this town. Is that true? No, it's baloney. Confidentially, Ethelbert. Papers all over the country got such a swell front page spread out of that Colorado hotel murder, they're trying to keep it alive. Oh, wait a minute, Annie. Don't be skeptical. The police have pretty definitely tied him up with a murder of seven other wealthy widows. Well, it's not known for sure that Cecil Grammerton has killed and robbed other women. That's just some more newspaper buildup, huh? Not in my book or in the cops. Listen, during the last five years, seven other rich women have been strangled and their valuables stolen under nearly exactly the same circumstances. Casey, people in that Colorado hotel who saw Granton every day don't give a description of him that agrees with the men suspected of the other crimes. Well, they don't agree with each other in their descriptions of Granton. He seems to be one of those negative-looking guys nobody ever remembers. The bartender out there remembered him, according to what I read. All he remembers about him is that he was always humming sentimental songs. That isn't very much to go on. Whenever there's a sensational crime, a witness usually turns up who tries to get into the spotlight by telling a lot more than he really knows. Mm. Say, come on, we got to get out of here, Annie. Oh, yeah, we're due at the uh, Fenimore Plaza in uh, ten minutes. That's right. What are you going to do at that swanky hotel? Oh, one of those lousy assignments. The Express has an exclusive tip that the Clara Simmons has broken her engagement to the Charlie Fawcett. And we're getting a confirmation or denial from her before we pass the news to our palpitating public. Clara Simmons is the oil Harris? Yeah. Mm. Worth about 20 million. What I've heard, though, she's kind of a wet smack. She doesn't smoke, she doesn't drink, she doesn't uh, approve of modern bathing suits. She's a very nice girl, Casey. She's just a little bit old-fashioned. I've met her. I haven't met an old-fashioned girl for years. They're old-fashioned now. Yeah, the... <clears throat> oh, well. Come on, Annie. See you later this evening, pal. <laughs> so long, Ethelbert. So long, Walter. Or so long, Casey. Walter, where are those napkins? <laughs> What you heard is altogether correct, Miss Williams. Mr. Fawcett and I have broken our engagement. Uh, do you care to give me the reason, Miss Simmons? I can only say that he and I agreed upon the termination and that we shall remain the best of friends. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm expecting guests. Uh, may I take a picture of you before we go, Miss Simmons? I'd rather you wouldn't, Mr. Casey. Oh, well, we can run one of your old ones that we have in our files, but you look so nice this evening, I'd rather... <laughs> you know that no woman can withstand that kind of flattery. Take your picture. Thanks. Uh, will you stand over there by the piano, please? Surely. 
Casey wasn't guilty of flattery, Miss Simmons. That gown is charming. Thank you. Do you like the style? Uh Uh-huh, very much. I haven't seen anything like it. It must be the latest. It was 20 years ago. My mother wore it then. Your mother? She wore it to a ball only a week before she died. I was just a child then, but I've never forgotten how pretty she looked. I kept it. I had it made over to wear tonight. Some big event must be scheduled for tonight. It is, Mr. Casey. Will you take your picture now and then excuse me? Oh, sure, sure. Oh, oh, I'm afraid I'll have to answer that. I've given my servants the evening off. Good evening, Clara. Come in, Evans. Where's your mother? Well, she phoned that she'll be delayed. She'll join us here in a little while. Oh. Oh, uh, you have guests. This lady and gentleman are from the Morning Express. They're leaving right away. Miss Williams, Mr. Casey, this is Mr. Pentecost. How do you do, Mr. Pentecost? Pleasure. Sit down, Evans. Mr. Casey is going to take a picture of me. Very well. Will you stand by the piano again, Miss Simmons? Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Like this? Yes, that's well. Ah, got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I hope you won't think me rude if oh, I ask... Oh, you've been very kind. Thank you very much. Good night, Miss Simmons and Mr... Uh... Uh, Pentecost. Evans Pentecost. Good night. Good night. Oh, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, you bet. Not at all. Why were those newspaper people here, Clara? To ask me about my engagement to Charles. I told them I'd broken in. Oh, uh, to tell them why? I didn't say a word about you. Evans... You said you were bringing your mother here to meet me. I sent the servants away, as you requested, so the three of us could be completely alone. But since your mother's been delayed, I think uh, you should... You're worried about us being alone? Why, naturally. You're very different from other women I've known. We'll go down to the mezzanine and wait for your mother. Well, I... You're lovely in that gown, Clara. Don't try to change the subject, Evans. My mother once had a gown like that. Be a good boy now. Let's go down to the mezzanine. We must be alone or you wouldn't be so insistent. Why, of course we're alone. Alone? Evans, why do you look at me like that? We're alone. Evans, you frightened me. All alone. Don't come any closer. Go away, Evans! Don't touch me! At the end of a long, hot summer day, listen for the tinkle of ice cubes on Frosty Crystal. Cool summer drinks are doubly inviting when served in the amazing new Sunburst Crystal. Now, this truly fine crystal has the radiance of a diamond. Its brilliance is like rare old hand-cut crystal. And now, thanks to a revolutionary new anchor-hocking manufacturing discovery, you can enjoy this magnificent crystal at unbelievably low prices. Imagine a Sunburst Crystal glass for fruit juice priced at only five cents. Imagine 10-ounce table tumblers, two for 15. Big, oversized glasses for ice drinks, only 10 cents each. And a beautiful matching two-quart pitcher for only 50 cents. That's what you'll find tomorrow and Saturday in the windows and on the counters of the retail stores of America. Prices slightly higher in distant cities. Don't put it off. Enjoy Sunburst Crystal this weekend. Sunburst Crystal is a product of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass.
I have a taxi cab for you, uh, Mr. Pentacle. Thank you, boy. It's outside this door, sir. Uh, you've put my baggage in it? Yes, sir. Everything's all set. Uh, here, this is for your trouble. Thanks very much. I hope you'll be our guest at the Fenimore Plaza again, and very soon, sir. I don't think I shall be. Union Terminal Driver. Goodbye, Mr. Pentacle. Goodbye. Bellboy! Huh? Bellboy. Yes, sir. The guy who just got into that cab. Where was he going from here? It's against Fenimore Plaza rules to give out information concerning our guests, sir. Nuts with rules. That guy's a murderer. A what? I was bartender in the Colorado Hotel where he killed Mrs. Chalmers. That guy's Cecil Grammerton. Grammerton? The lady killer. Get the cops after him quick. Then find out what dame he strangled here. Grammerton got away, Captain Logan. Yeah, he did, Miss Williams. My men located the cab that took him from this hotel, but he'd gotten out of it with his baggage only a few blocks from here. He didn't go to Union Terminal where he told the driver to take him. Oh, where he is now is anybody's guess, Casey. You said he didn't hurt Miss Simmons, Logan. That's right. She was hysterical when they found her, but otherwise she was okay. Well, she was hysterical because he tried to kill her. Oh, he didn't even lay a hand on her, Miss Williams. What? Uh, the thing's screwy the way she tells it. She says she suddenly got terribly afraid of the guy. He started to reach for her, and there was an insane look on his puss. And all of a sudden, he drops his hands, mumbles an apology, and walks out. Hmm. Of course, you searched the rooms that Grammerton occupied. Sure. Well, did you find anything that might lead to Oh, uh, nothing that looks very hot. Just an old photograph. Uh, a photograph? Yeah, of a woman. I'd say it was taken 20, 25 years ago. It was in a nice leather frame. It obviously slipped out of one of the guy's suitcases. Can we see it? Yes, but there's to be no mention of it in your paper. I'm not tipping Grammar's hand that we have the thing. Right, it's off the record, Logan. No yeah, way. of course. Okay. Here it is. Oh? oh she's a sweet-looking old lady. Hmm. Not too sweet. She's a prim and prissy type. Uh-huh. Say, look, the name of the photographer who took this picture is at the bottom, Logan. Perkins. Name of the town. Yeah, Perkins of Fairview. Fairview, that's only about 100 miles from here, isn't it? I'm taking a trip up there tomorrow. Oh, huh? I'll go with you. Okay, but you may be wasting your time. It's my job to go. Hmm. Well, I got a hunch it won't be wasted time, Logan. And I've got another hunch. A hunch that no newspaper guy should get. Yeah, what's that? That you should kill the entire story of what happened tonight. Kill the story? Yes, Annie, every bit of it. Oh, it's big news, Casey. Front uh, page. It doesn't matter. Put that bartender under wraps, Logan. Tell the hotel people and Miss Simmons to clam up about what they know and give all the papers a hush-hush order. <laughs> Since this is the first time I ever got that kind of advice from a news hound, I'll take oh, it. Oh, you should be thrown to the squirrels for this, Casey. Oh, no, Annie. The big story will be Grammerton's arrest, and we'll play for an exclusive on that. Logan, how soon can we leave for Fairview? Why, yes, Captain Logan, I took this picture of the lady, uh, oh, 20 years ago, I'd say. It was shortly before her death. Oh, she's dead, Mr. Perkins. Yes, she died of pneumonia. Well, who was she? Uh, Mrs. Aza Bristow, a very fine woman. I was her neighbor for many years, and we attended the same church. Did she have any children? Well, she had an only son, Elmer, an extremely well-behaved boy. They were inseparable, and her death was a great blow to him. He was only about 15 at the time. Oh, uh, you know what happened to this Elmer? No, no. Relatives took him out west to live, and I've heard nothing of him since. Could you uh, describe him, Mr. Perkins? Well, I knew the boy so well I should be able to. 
You know, that's strange. I can't just seem to remember what he looked like. You you can't? Well, he, he, uh... Well, there was nothing about him. All that I can really recall is that he had a great attraction for girls and older women, although he seemed to care nothing for anybody but his mother. Hmm. And, uh, and he had a habit that was frequently irritating, a, a habit of humming sentimental old songs. Uh, ah. I'm... Sorry, I can't be of greater help to you. You've helped plenty, Mr. Perkins, and thanks a million. Let's go, Logan. Yeah. I'll probably get in touch with you later, Mr. Perkins. Well, I'll be at your service, Captain. Goodbye. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye. He couldn't have given us a better description, pal. Yeah, but what does it get us? Apparently, the lady killer's real name is Elmer Bristow, and he had a doting mother. Wait a minute, Logan. I think he developed what the psychological docs call a mother complex. So what? So it finally made him go haywire and start killing gals like Madeline Chalmers. Listen, Logan, all of the eight women strangled by this guy were direct opposites of his mother. They were unconventional babes who did all the things that Mama had taught her only son to despise. Casey, he did those murders for dough. Those thefts will send him to the chair instead of an asylum when he's caught, Logan. But his real motive, I believe, was hatred of a type. But he proved that last night when he didn't hurt Clara Simmons. Because I think she was the same type as his mother. In that old-fashioned dress she had on, she may have... Well, he may have seen her all of a sudden as his mother. Yeah, you may be right. And from what you've just suggested, maybe we can figure a way to make him walk right into our hands. Of course we can. And by using your dear old power of the press and Clara Simmons. Uh, yes, yes, Dorothy. Must you gaze into space and hum those corny songs? I must be dreadful company. Oh, I beg your pardon, darling. I, I, I was thinking. Light me a cigarette. Oh, sure. Shall we get another drink? Oh, not now. Sitting here on the beach has made me lazy. We're going to look out at the beach from your apartment tonight. Alone. Mm-hmm. Until tonight, every... Every minute will seem like an hour. That romantic line is pretty old, Gerard. Yeah, well, I'll try to do better next time. I hope you do. Oh, speaking of romance, did you see this morning's papers? No. Oh, there was a silliest story about that frightfully rich Clara Simmons. Clara Simmons? Yes. Ever meet her? What? No. I have. She's a drippy little thing. What did the papers say about her? Oh, she's very ill. Ill? Pneumonia. Pneumonia? Brought on by a breakdown. Caused, the paper said, by a wrecked romance. I see. Well, did the paper say where, where Miss Simmons is? Well, she's in the city hospital, I believe. Dorothy, will you excuse me? I've got to go back to the hotel. Why? I've got to put through a long-distance call. Business. I may have to leave here on the very first train. Leave? What's happening about tonight? Well, nothing, to my regret. Because, Dorothy, you're... Just the sort of woman I love to find alone. There he is, Captain Logan. The man getting out of that cab. Fine, Miss Simmons. Well, Casey, our cockeyed scheme worked, eh? I was pretty sure it would. We knew he'd fallen for it after that long-distance call came through to the hospital. When they told him I was really ill, Miss Williams... 
He came to me. Well, don't think of what he's doing now, Miss Simmons. Think of what he has done. Yes, I must. Oh, here he comes, Captain. This is it. Hello, Elmer Bristow. What? Will you let go of me? You're a collector of jewelry. Here's a pair of bracelets for you. Oh, what's the meaning of this? What? Clara. Clara. Yes. You're not ill. This was a trick. Yeah. Now a few uninhibited rich gals are going to enjoy longer lives. Take them away, man. Now, come on, Miss Simmons. I'll help you back to Annie. Simmons is crying. So what has that insignificant-looking guy got made the women fall for him? Casey, if he wasn't on his way to jail, I think I'd try to find out. Yeah. Huh? We gals crave romance. And if we don't get it from overwhelming personalities like yours, well, there are a lot of Elmers. Hmm. Annie, uh... I think there's going to be some nice moonlight tonight. Yeah? Uh-huh. So? Well, poor little Miss Simmons needs comforting. Maybe I should invite her to go out with... Ow! Ow! Oh, I'm so sorry, Casey. I didn't mean to kick you in the shin. Join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. You know, beer isn't the most important thing in the world, but it certainly is one of the pleasantest. And Anchor Hawking's revolutionary new one-way bottle makes beer and ale easy to enjoy. You know, it took a lot of research to develop this one-way bottle. It had to be light, compact, sturdy. It had to be so low in cost that no deposit, no return to the store is necessary. And that's what it is. A little wizard at fitting into packed refrigerators. Easy and safe to open. Easy and safe to drink from. No trouble about returns. When it's empty, just throw it away. And best of all, it's glass. Glass that can't affect the flavor and purity of beer and ale. Glass that keeps your beer brewery bright. You will find 12-ounce no-deposit bottles of your favorite brand at your local store. For beer at its best, Ask for it in the new Anchor Glass One-Way Bottle, a product of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Uh, this guy, Elmer, admitted all his murders, huh? Yep, he's a psychopathic case, Edelbert. And when his kind start talking, they keep it up. You know, that guy's proud of all his killings. He's bragging about them now. A nice, sweet guy. Yeah. Mm. And you got him to come back here by figuring Clara Simmons had the engine sign on him just as his mother had, huh? Mm, yeah, he couldn't let her die of pneumonia as his mother died without trying to save her. Mm, so clever, this Casey. Expert photographer, consulting psychologist, and eminent authority on affairs of the heart. What? You sound bitter, Miss Williams. Do I? Well, Annie, I'm not responsible for this rain tonight. Who said anything about weather? Well, if it had been a nice moonlit night, I thought... I'm not interested in what you thought. Oh. (laughs) To a person with even the slightest imagination, moonlight is non-essential. Well, uh... Care to take a drive in the rain, Annie? Well, if 
the right person invited me properly. Miss Williams, will you go for a drive in the rain with me? I'd love to have your company. Why, yes, Mr. Casey. Where shall we drive? Poor Clara Simmons must still need comforting. How about calling on her and... Ow, my other shit! So sorry, Mr. Casey. Clumsy of me. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. And now, another mystery on Mystery Radio. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Did you ever wonder, folks, how a certain species of blonde can breathe in spite of a heart of stone? The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. A confidential investigator occupies a kind of strategic position in law enforcement. He can mix with an element a regular department cop is obliged to scorn, if not arrest on sight. Like a cop, the confidential operator is on the side of the angels, but he can work for the devil, like I did, not too voluntarily once upon a crime. The case came at me in broad daylight at the foot of Father Duffy's statue on Broadway. The first I knew of it was a gun in my ribs. Freeze, Shamus, and don't let out a peep. <laughs> a tough right out of a B-movie with a reek to him like he ate garlic for candy. Is it a gun or a monkey wrench, Sonny? Bleed and find out. A line of dialogue like that, you ought to copyright. Hey, you're talking yourself to death. Shut my mouth. See that car in the corner? <laughs> the green and white job that reads PD? Not the police car, smart guy, the one behind it. Oh, the hot limousine. It ain't hot. It was bought legitimate. Pardon me. Go get into it. Times must be hard for you to get down to me. This isn't a snatch. Then what is it? You'll find out. In with you. Give her the gun, Needles. And off the big street, first turn you can make. Heading downtown, I tried for a peek into my future. Who was it? Who was who? Hired you to work over me. <laughs> You're sure in a sweat, Shamus. It's my memories coming back. A lot of guys resent the free room and board I arranged for them up the river. You're guessing wrong. Oh, I'm relieved. Or am I? I'm gonna blindfold you now. 
Uh, cigarettes? Now, why ain't you a comedian? Right now, I wish I'd pick the occupation. Hold steady. Can't see, can you? <sighs> Can't even breathe. Why include my nose in a blindfold? Breathe through your mouth, like me. I haven't the adenoids for it. Yeah, another crack, I'll rock you to sleep. Now shut up and enjoy the ride. I could guess our general destination by the odor. A New Yorker develops a nose for local geography. Front Street somewhere, off the East River. The Fulton Fish Market couldn't be too far away. You're going down cellar steps, so hold on to the rail. I've got the rail. In with your shamus. Hey, was that push necessary? Here's your pigeon, boss. Good work. Take the blindfold off. I second the motion. Hello, Craig. Wait till the fog lifts. Not Sam Stacy. <laughs> Surprised? I'm shocked at the lousy reporting this town gets. The headlines have you in Acapulco and China. The papers have been crucifying me. Mad dog killer Stacy. Where do they come off with that stuff? <laughs> A guy named Crowley wasn't only dead. A bullet in his brain, plus his head caved in, plus his features smeared and his clothes gone to make identification impossible, plus being drowned in Long Island Sound. You put your heart in your work, Stacy. I didn't kill Crowley. Nobody will believe you. Sure. I'm a dog with a bad name. Grab Stacy. Hang the frame on him. Okay. Start lying at me. Lying? Isn't that why I'm down here with the smell of fish and rats? Why, you can... lay off. <laughs> Maxie insults easy. Stop baiting him, Craig. He's a hothead. I must remember to cool him off someday. I'm waiting to hear the lie. There was bad blood between me and Crowley, Sure. I never made a secret of it. Crowley began taking horse bets on my side of the street. Like a chump, I shot off my mouth publicly where stoolies could pipe my remarks to the cops. Shut off your mouth about what you were going to do to Crowley. That's right. But you didn't. I didn't get a chance to. You tried to, however. Yeah. I'll give you the truth with nothing held back. At your own risk. Under these circumstances, I don't regard it as confidential. The day before Crowley was fished out of the river, I trailed him to Obermeyer's boathouse over on the north shore of Long Island. But... What's the big but? Crowley shook me. I bushed for him in my car off the pier, figuring he'd come walking right into my gun. He never came off the pier. He took off by motorboat. That's your story? It's the honest truth. Why are you crying at me? Get whoever beat me to Crowley. Get me in the clear. I'll pay you a fat fee. If you live. I'll live. I've got a hot flash for you. There's a shoot-to-kill order out for you. <laughs> I'm in Acapulco, China. Only I know different now. You mean you'll finger me? I mean. It's a chance I'll have to take. The way it stacks, you're my only chance. Why not let me surrender you alive? No good. I'd hate myself in the hot seat. Maxie. Yeah, boss? Dump Craig somewhere. Crease him a little? A little. I can't risk you being able to pinpoint my hideout, Craig, if you decide against me. I've been hit on the head before. I don't want Craig injured, Maxie. Uh, just like you say. A big break for you, Shamus. <laughs> 
came to with the Third Avenue L roaring through my head. I was on a stoop front, tilted at an angle, my hat down over my eyes, and an empty pint bottle at my feet, like a bum sleeping off a bottle of paint remover. Sensitive Maxie had a sense of humor after all. I found a note pinned inside my coat. Craig, I've got a wife and kids. Please, Stacy. Pinned to the note was a thousand-dollar bill, a retainer. <laughs> a wife and kids. If it was a lie, it was a good one. It was about the only way Stacy could hook me as a helper. Looking to hail a cruising cab, I got a first-hand view of Metropolitan Police Efficiency. A familiar flivver that breathed so close it flicked lint off my trousers. Barry Craig. Lieutenant Trav Rogers. Climb in. Must I? It's an order. Where are we going? To make a police entry that you've been recovered safe and sound. What's the gag? You tell me. You reported his kidnap two hours ago. <laughs> Joke. I'm not in the habit of wasting official time on practical jokes. A Broadway news vendor with a stand across from Father Dovey's statue phoned in a report that a gunman picked you off the sidewalk and took you for a ride. Hmm. Nice to know our great big city is on its toes. Uh, I anticipated the worst. I have my men checking hospitals, ditches, cellars, and the morgue. Uh, tell them they can go back to playing Pinocchio. Craig, what was it about? About? The snatch. Oh. <laughs> Trev, I wish I could tell you, only... Uh, only? I got hit on the head. Here, feel the lump. So? So I don't know anything. Uh, I got a touch of amnesia from the blow. Craig? Uh, let me out of the corner, huh? Like a sweetheart. I, I got an important engagement with a boathouse. Overmeyer's boathouse looked like a wreck washed ashore by a hurricane. Scrap iron, old anchors, piles of rusted junk. Like Overmeyer never threw anything away. Boats for rent, hour, day, or week, the sign read. Hello? Yeah. Oh, uh, you rent motorboats? You can read. Sassy at your age, and you won't make out with St. Peter. Uh, what do you want? Civility. Ain't got any. Rent boats. Who's kidding who? Brace yourself for a shock, Overmeyer. I don't have to. You're a detective. It shows. Big feet, bad jokes, and a swelled head. Now, what'd you after? A murderer. You won't find him here. The victim was a man named Crowley, a man you rented a boat to. I ain't never murdered a customer. Do you have some reason for being a little slippery, Grandpa? Hmm. See through it, do you? Like through glass. I've got a reason. $200. Meaning? The deposit is, uh... Crowley? Crowley left for the motorboat. He never came back for it. He never brought the boat back. Found it scuttled on a sandbar. Repairs on it came to more than $200. Relax, I'm not parting you for your money. So $200 is why you never made a police report. Police report, you say? That slippery note's back. You knowingly held back information bearing on a murder case. I'm a poor man. And a great eight chiseler. Where was Crowley taking himself to? How could I know? Because you're the inquisitive type. Mm. Murder Island? Murder Island? Name it got from the tenants on it. Where is Murder Island? About four miles north by east out there in the sound. Who tenants it? Vince Keeley. If you're a detective, you'll know him. Yeah, I do. Gambling's on. Only nobody's ever proved it. 
On trial for murder last year, only the jury didn't convict. Healy had an alibi. Yeah, a surprise alibi. The last-minute kind that knocks down a case. I want a motorboat at a chartered cost to murder Allen. A storm coming up. Well, not for hours, the way the sky looks. Storms are deceiving. I'll take the chance. I'll want a deposit. I'll bring the boat back. If Keely lets you come back, I'll want a deposit. Storms were deceiving. The storm had come at me. Like Obermeyer had push-button control over storms and was having this laugh at me. Rain in buckets from overhead and, and the river splashing over me below. Faster than I could bail water. It was only minutes before I could swim for it. What flashes through your head when you see death working you over? One measly thought playing over and over like a record stuck in a groove. Why did this have to happen to me? When there was no doubt about Obermeyer losing a boat to Davy Jones, I started the long swim. Coming up for the third time. Water running out of your nose and ears. You get hallucinations. Pleasant ones. My hallucination was a sea nymph with the build of a channel swimmer. Looking at her face was like leafing through an old album. She was every lady I'd ever known, starting with my mother. Lie on your back. Give me your hand so I can pull you to shore. Give her my hand. Talking like my life was her special problem. Hold tight now. Hold tight. You obey. You let her take charge while you go to sleep. I knew I was still alive by the sandflies making a playground of my chest. I was on a beach littered with fish skeletons. Hello. And a girl flopping beside me like a come-to-bermuda poster of honeymooners. A girl with none of the faces in the old album. Flash storm capsized your boat. Yeah. Obermeyer worked that trick with push buttons. What'd you say? Never mind. You rescued me, huh? I saw you thrashing around like a dying fish a hundred yards offshore. How come you were on hand to see me? Have you noticed my swimsuit? I've got eye strain. Are you always swimming in a flash storm? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I'm Barry Craig. The detective? Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are along 52nd Street. Hmm. 21 and nightclub row. I'm Rose Renee. The queen of burlesque. Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are among uh, connoisseurs. <laughs> exactly where are we? On Murder Island. Oh. You belong to it? I'm married to it. Married? Let me try to guess. Mrs. Vince Keeley. Play hearts and flowers, maestro. It's as bad as that? The jail sentence. I'm a prisoner of love. Vince bought me only he welched on the payment. He welched after I said I do. Why the frank talk? Well, I feel I broadcast. That's my nature. I'm cooped up on this crummy island so Vince won't have to fight off the boys giving me the eye. The only glad rags I get to wear is a swimsuit. So pick up and go. I'm allergic to morgues. Yeah. 
Murder is Vince's business, they say. That's no joke. Vince connived his way out of one murder rap last year with a phony alibi. Yeah, I remember the trial. Who was it again Vince was charged with knocking off? Dixie Dugan, his business partner. Oh, Slot yeah. machine, dice houses, stolen liquor. Dugan was fed up, about to confess all to the DA when he suddenly turned up dead. Vince served champagne that night to celebrate. Why are you telling me all this? On the hunch that its case reopened, that you're here after Vince. You really want a divorce? Oh, any old way. Then tell me about a fellow named Crowley. Crowley was Vince's star witness last year. Crowley's alibi for Vince got Vince acquitted. Sister, your divorce is practically on the horizon if you come through with this next one. Did Crowley come here to murder Allen lately? Crowley was always coming to the island. He and Vince were squabbling all the time. What about? Hush money. I passed the time getting an earful of things. Crowley was putting the bite on Vince. Blackmail for his perjured testimony? I asked you. How about Sam Stacy? Never heard of him. Stacy's being accused of murdering Crowley. News to me. I'm shut off from the outside world. Look, I gotta go now before Vince sends out a searching party. Don't let on to Vince we met. Am I the dope to kill the golden goose? A snake in Vince's bosom. Boredom wasn't Rose's only motive for putting Hubby on the spot. She had her eye on Big Doe and a high old life as a merry widow. Vince Keeley acted as outraged as a guy could get. Hey, uh, Craig, you've got rocks in your head coming here to burn me. Let's confine the argument to Crowley. I haven't seen or heard of Crowley for over six months. Oh, no? No. Then how was the payoff worked? What payoff? The blackmail money to Crowley for the perjured alibi last year. Hey, you're asking for something. You hinting the river? Now, look, you got me all wrong. I made a shady buck once, sure. It's all behind me. I'm out of the rackets now, clean as a whistle, living respectably. Why, I'm even holed up on the island to keep out of trouble, to, to improve my mind and amount to something more than a mug. I can't cry. I don't have a handkerchief on me. Hey, look around you, Craig. All the books on them shelves. I promised myself I wouldn't get off this island until I read every one of them. Why, I even take piano lessons. How about typewriter practice? I asked you to quit writing me. So you didn't murder Crowley to stop his blackmail? No. You also denied that he perjured for you once? I deny it, yeah. And Sam Stacy, Know him? Not familiarly. A punk bookie somewhere, isn't he? He is. They're pinning the Crowley rap on him. Well, it's nothing to me. We through? No. Who was your lawyer? George Brooks. Did Brooks defend you in that murder trial last year? Yeah. Now what are you up to? Just familiarizing myself with all the ramifications of your living. The coming genius like you with books and a piano, I... I might want to do a profile for the society pages. Craig, get out of here. Sure. But first, I'm showing you this. What? A rod, huh? A rod. I'll take some killing before I'm killed. You're crazy. Prove it by ferrying me off the island. I uh, lost my boat to a storm. I'll have you ferried off, but stay off. <laughs> 
Back in town, George Brooks, the mouthpiece, was twice as outraged as Vince Keeley'd managed to be. Craig, you've no right to persecute Vince Keeley. I haven't, huh? The man's turned over a new leaf. He's reformed. He's cut off every association he had with his former life. Let's boil it down to murder. Accusing Vince of murdering Miss Crowley is fantastic. How about accusing Vince of winning acquittal in a murder trial through the late Crowley's perjured testimony? That's a cheap, contemptible lie. I defended that case. I know. Why do you represent a man as notorious as Vince Keeley? Because I believe every man has some good in him. Because I'm not a blue nose or a moralist. Because I have every evidence Vince Keeley wants to live a decent, useful life if given a chance. You're positive Keeley uh, hasn't done murder past or present? If I believed otherwise, I wouldn't raise a finger to help him. Whoever murdered Crowley, it wasn't Keeley. And now, if you don't mind, I have a busy schedule. Okay, if I use your phone for a minute? If you must. Barry Craig speaking. Give me Lieutenant Trev Rogers. Craig, if you mean this as some psychological trick, it's utterly childish. <laughs> Is that why you're beginning to perspire? Over coffee and sinkers, I got the benefit of Trav Rogers' power of analysis. Putting one and one together from what you told me, one notion keeps standing up in my head, Craig. Said notion being... That you might end up where you began, with your uh, client. Stacy murdered Crowley like the police bulletins insist, huh? Yes. Stacy hired you as a smokescreen. He heard Crowley had business with the Czar of Murder Island, and... And hoped I'd uh, create a competing suspect in Vince Keeley. And take the heat off Stacy. The notion makes sense, but... You don't buy it. Not until I have another look at Murder Island. Looking for what? <laughs> the Queen of Clubs. Rose Renee. And at the terrain, the rocks, shrubbery. I'm curious about Crowley's missing clothes, his personal effects. Crowley's clothes? He wasn't wearing any when he came out of the river. You've got a point. Find any article of Crowley's on Murder Island and you've made a liar out of Vince Keeley. Crowley hadn't been around in over six months, Vince swears. Let's go. Oh, just a minute. Uh, you including yourself in? It's suicide to Buck Keeley and his crowd alone. I'm the suicidal type. Uh, morbid depths to my personality, my horoscope says. Ah, Craig, don't be stubborn or vain. The case is too big, too important for a confidential operative to lone wolf it. I've done okay so far, without company. Then I'll have to throw the book at you. You're representing a fugitive from justice, a man we've issued orders to shoot on sight. The regulations governing your license... Cut. Nice speech, but uh, I'm only half convinced. Now, uh... Give me the other half. I don't want to see you dead. Your repulsive kisser is an eyesore I've gotten used to. Like poison ivy in July. <laughs> Lieutenant, you are cordially invited on an excursion to Murder Island. We combed every nook and crag of Murder Island, but no luck. Oh, my aching feet, Craig. I can make a surveyor's map of this rock pile from memory. So we drew a blank. You! Will that be your queen of clubs? It is. Very Craig. And friend? Lieutenant Trav Rogers. What have you got? A divining rod for locating me? I've been watching you for half an hour. You're wasting your time. Am I? You won't find Crowley's clothes. How do you know what we're searching for? Is that hard? It even occurred to me to look for him. How'd you make up? Ashes. Ashes. The clothes were burned. See that stone incinerator over there? Yes. That's where Vince burned them. Still punching for that divorce, huh? Lead me to the ashes. 
These are the ashes of fabric. You're sure? I did time in police lab. Fabric burns in its own special way. The ash has a consistency. Hey, I've got something that practically converts the ash back to a suit of clothes. What is it, Craig? What does this look like to you? Uh, cufflink. What's left of it? Any initials? C. C for Crowley. That settles Vince's hash. Oh, freedom, it's wonderful. Postpone that freedom, Jag sister. Hubby's still a long way from the disaster you wish on him. A last mile away. Vince knows your investigation's going to blow hot any minute. That's why he's got his mouthpiece here now. George Brooks is here? Yes, Vince couldn't get his lawyer here fast enough after you came calling. It's murder and this time no phony alibi. I can go back to sleeping nights. I can breathe. I can live. You're uh, putting on quite a show, Miss Renee. I don't make a mystery of my feelings. Lieutenant, I'm glad and I acted. Go rub that ash in Vince's face. Tell him what a homicidal maniac he is and put the handcuffs on him. Well, why don't you go? Quite a repertory, Rose Renee. Hysterics. They were long overdue. Vince Keeley roped her into marriage and never let go of the noose. The way you work up sympathy. I'm not all cop, Trev. Who makes the arrest? It's your case. Door's locked. A pistol shot, Craig. From inside the house. Vince! Vince! Let me in, Vince! Can you identify Vince. whose voice? Brooks, the mouthpiece. Open Asking Vince to open the door? Sounds like Vince shot himself. Locked himself in a room and shot himself. Make with that bell again, Trav, and don't take your thumb off it. Who? Craig. And Lieutenant Rogers. What was that shot? Vince. In the library. He locked himself in and shot himself. Rough. I begged him not to, not suicide. What alternative did you suggest, Brooks? Alternative? Lieutenant means suicide or the chair for murder. It was six of one and a half a dozen of another for Vince. Yes, I suppose you're right. You sound like you've changed your mind about Vince's reformed character. Vince changed it for me. He confessed many things to me. I've been a blind fool. What did Vince confess about Crowley? Vince confessed to murdering Crowley. In the library, Vince Keeley lay in peace with a look on his face that said he wasn't sorry to go. The queen of clubs bawled like a baby, the senseless kind of tears women are famous for, while the mouthpiece Brooks beat his breast and put Vince's confession on the record. I've been duped. Tricked, made the fool. Vince's confession, please. Vince had hired Crowley to perjure in the trial last year. Mind you now, I believed Vince innocent. Since then, blackmail with Crowley demanding heavier sums. On Crowley's threat to expose his perjury for Vince? Yes, of course, Lieutenant. Vince had to pay to prevent reopening of an old case. Crowley bled him white until... Until Vince murdered him and threw him into the river. Yes, that's it, substantially. Uh, Craig. What? Which of us tells him? It's still my case. You're under arrest, Brooks. Why, you're insane. Shut up and listen. Smoke rises to the ceiling and hangs there. You fired a phony shot in the outer hall when we rang the bell. You staged a fake suicide. You'd already killed Vince Keeley in here. Now, what possible motive would you I have? You could be the big shot behind Vince's rackets. Vince had the low mentality of a racket boy, not a biggie. Crowley's threat against Vince threatened you even more. I won't stand for that. Then you lie down for it. Uh, uh, 
Get off the floor, Brooks, and listen to more. You also killed Crowley. Vince would be the world's prized chump to pay Crowley blackmail or even worry about Crowley. That's double jeopardy, Brooks. Crowley could confess perjury from now to doomsday. But no power on earth, no new evidence could force Vince to stand retrial for a murder he'd already stood trial for once and found acquittal. He's your prisoner, Trav. I'm turning him over to you. A week later, Stacy looked me up to thank me in a midtown half bra where the Wiener Schnitzel made you hungry for ham and eggs. You took the curse off me, Craig. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Mad dog killer. Those headlines gave me the willies. You're grateful, huh? I'm on bended knees. You can't reach for your wallet like that. Reach for my wallet? There was talk of a fat fee. Oh. I, uh, I hate to do this to you, Craig. But the fact is... The fact is... I'm broke. <laughs> Government's new bookie tax. I folded my tent. No bets, no horses. I'm down to driving a beer truck. For the wife and kids. Oh, uh, that's another thing, Craig, I, I, I want to tell you about. <laughs> no kids? No wife, even. I'm not married. Hmm. Good night, folks. See you next week. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X.